Be calm. Please don't destroy my sweater. This is Songs in My Head. Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of Songs in My Head, a music podcast for music nerds, by music nerds. This is Josh, again, back for another episode, joined by my lovely co-host Kristen. Hello. And uh, this week we're kind of back into our comfort zones, I think a little bit. Uh, You know, we took a trip back to the 80s last week so or last episode i should say so you know kind of getting back into our our wheelhouse a little bit on this one so uh in this episode you gave me an album that i didn't realize i was gonna know so much of when i started listening to it and when i did i was like damn this album is a banger (laughs) Um, so I I guess I'll just hop right into it. Uh, so you gave me Weezer's debut album, which is the Blue Album. Uh, it came out May 10th, 1994. And, um, I didn't even realize that it was, like, that long ago that it came out. It's it's pretty crazy. I remember because it was, like... Right in my high school times when I got that album. So it's it's tied to a lot of memories. Right. Yeah, and I actually uh, was reading that this was kind of like the forefront for the next wave of like alternative rock music, uh, like post Kurt Cobain's death. Right. So this was like... This was the peak of the wave, I guess you could say. Um, so pretty much the whole album from what I read was arranged and composed by uh, Rivers Cuomo, which is pretty awesome. I mean, that's that's a lot of work. So, I mean, I can imagine. But I guess when you want to, I guess it's like the old saying, when you want something right done right, you got to do it yourself. Exactly. So, well, um, the one thing that I read was that he um, challenged himself to write fifty songs for a project in nineteen ninety one. Did you read anything about this? I did see that. Yeah. Okay, I thought that was pretty cool that yeah. there was four on this album from that. Yeah, and uh, they actually rehearsed a total of fifteen songs for this record, but only what was it? Ten of them. I believe, made the cut. I believe it's 10. I think you're right. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I mean, and, and of course, I think uh, um, what happened inevitably is that they made it onto like a B-Sides album later on down the road, which is, I mean, that's that's pretty common. Right. Um, so I guess I'll just go right in with the tracks. Uh, the first track is called... My name is Jonas. Um, and I actually recognized this track from 
Guitar Hero because I remember <laughs> playing it on Guitar Hero and I was like, this song is so weird because it starts <laughs> off with like the acoustic guitar and then it just gets right into like a pretty heavy like shredding guitar riff um but it's actually inspired by river's brother (laughs) his brother leaves well what else would you name him right i mean you've already named one child rivers why not leaves okay (laughs) who was uh (laughs) He was having some insurance problems um, after a serious car crash when he was away at college. So, I mean, and if you if you listen through the, the lyrics a little bit, you know, it kind of implies that there are some issues. Um, you know, he said he mentions getting getting a, a letter from his brother or was it a letter or a call? I think it was a call. Um, I also saw that it was inspired by the book, The Giver, which is interesting. Um, I've never personally read it. I know of it. Yeah, I read it. It's really good. I mean, today's day and age, it kind of is one of those, those, you know, post-apocalyptic books that kind of feel like real life sometimes. (laughs) Right. You just have one of those like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a good book. Well, I might have to check that out then. I mean, it definitely sounds like something that I'd be interested in reading. Yeah, it's a short, short book. I'll cool. Bring it. So after that is the song "No One Else." Um, <laughs> it's kind of a fun song, like the actual, just like the track itself, like yeah. the music and everything. But like the, the lyrics lyrical, are dark. The lyrical content is pretty dark because. It's just this guy that's like super full of himself. Super possessive. And super possessive of his girlfriend. <laughs> um, the way that Rivers actually described it in an interview was uh, the jealous, obsessive asshole in me freaking out on my girlfriend. Um, and actually, he talks about how that leaks into the track that comes right after it. Right. So I thought that was kind of cool, the way that they had a little bit of continuity between the two tracks. This is one of those catchy ones that I sang probably hundreds of times and never realized what it was about. Right, right. It's 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 kind of funny, but like then when you're listening to it for like the second or third time, you're like, oh boy, this is a little... It's a little obsessive. I don't know about this. Um, So then the follow-up track that comes in, kind of picking up where that left off, is uh, The World Has Turned and Left Me Here. And Rivers said that that was kind of like the same asshole wondering why she's gone now. And you can hear the lament in it a little bit where he's kind of like, you know, oh, well, I was the I was the best thing that ever happened to her. Why would she ever leave me? What? What? So but um, I I know that I've heard this song performed by other artists before. I wrote down that there was a punchline cover, but I have not. That's where I heard it. 
Okay. I've not got a chance to look that, that up. That makes sense. I, I think I've I've heard like a little clip of it before, but I'll, I'll probably have to look up the whole thing because you know me and covers. Oh, yeah. Josh loves covers. I do. I do love <laughs> covers. Um, yeah, I, I read that they didn't play this song live for many years. And um, I forget how long, but. Um, oh, yeah. I think it was. I want to say it was something like 10 years or something like that. It was quite a while before they ever played it like in concert. Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite Weezer songs, and I think I told you easily, one of my favorite songs. Like it's up there. And now that you know, I listened and um, realized what um, no one else was about. Now it all kind of makes sense. Right. Um, it's almost a song about yeah, doubting yourself and and showing his like desperation right. for getting her back. Right. Um. Yeah, but it also has, I think, on this album, one of the more recognizable um, intros, I think, with the yeah the guitars. And... Yeah, I would I would say the, the, the intro is pretty recognizable. Mm-hmm. I would say maybe, like, would you say it's fair that it's, like, the second most recognizable? Yes. Okay, because yes. you, you know where I'm going with this. Oh, I and do. It, and we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it, yeah. So... After this song is, I would say, probably one of their biggest, like, radio hits. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, which is the song Buddy Holly. Uh, and it's it's a great song. I mean, like, it's funny. The lyrics are super funny. Because, like, Rivers Cuomo is this super nerdy, you know, like like dude and he's starts off the track with saying like what's with these homies dissing my girl like it's like you're it's like you're listening to dynamite hacks cover of boys in the hood like it's just it's that kind of like lyrical delivery oh yeah definitely that just makes it so funny i never realized um yeah the the irony of of how that sounded in the beginning um and once i read about it and reading like the subject of, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was about uh, a girl that he knew. Did he, Did they date? I think he said it was a platonic close friend. And then they, was... all of his friends, like, made fun of her. And so that was kind of like his play on words into the opening of the track, which I, it's just, it's so funny. Um. But I think, yeah, this one has one of the, the better videos, too, I think. Um, the Happy Days theme. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I actually just watched it the, again the other day. I okay. just, it's so funny. Like, the way that they cut in all the sequences from Happy Days. Well, that and the fact that they actually get, uh, they were able to get the actor that played, uh, is it the cook or the owner I don't remember. Of the diner. I didn't. But they actually get him in the video, which just makes it even funnier. Yeah, the only thing I read about the video is that it was directed by Spike Jones. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, The other thing I read about um, the song is that it was released on what would have been Buddy Holly's 58th birthday. Yeah, I did see that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, I did also read that it's another one of those songs that 
almost got left off the album. Yeah. Because Rivers thought that it was too cheesy. And I was like... Just cheesy enough. It's just cheesy enough. And, like, I, I actually saw that during the recording, um, <clears throat> like, the uh, the producers would, like, leave post-it notes around the studio for him that just said, we need Buddy Holly. And, like... <laughs> and so I, I thought that was kind of funny. And actually... Uh, Something really interesting that I read was about the chorus, how it initially was something a little bit different than what's in the actual song. Because in the song, it's, it's, ooh, you, you look just like Buddy Holly. Oh, oh. What is it? And. No, you look just like Ginger Rogers. Oh, oh, I move like Fred Astaire. But I meant like in the actual song. Yeah. Instead of saying that, he mentions Buddy Holly and Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, right, right. But then initially it was supposed to be, you look just like Ginger Rogers. Oh, oh, I move just like Fred Astaire. And it was like in a reference to them working together. Right. Like on some of uh, Fred Astaire's old, like, dancing movies. So what would the song have been called? Me, Buddy Holly. I feel like it has... <laughs> I don't know. It had a different the- a different feel if it was called... I think I think I did read somewhere that he wanted to call it Ginger Rogers. But I, I mean, I think it's good that they that they landed uh, something that I actually didn't write down for myself. But I do remember reading is that um, after the track was released, the whole band actually got um, autographed pictures from Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, neat. Like all f- <laughs> all four members of the band got pictures of Mary Tyler Moore that were autographed because she was just so like honored to be in their song. So I, I thought that was kind of cute. That is. Um, so after this one comes Undone, <laughs> the sweater song, uh, which is another one of their like most recognizable songs. And um was also the debut single that yeah. was that was released and I think this first time I've heard I heard Weezer ever was this song. Uh I think the first time I ever was introduced to Weezer was with Buddy Holly and it was because somebody was like, Hey, you gotta watch this music video. <laughs> <clears throat> Back when videos were a thing. Right. Like. <laughs> yeah. Um but it was described as the feeling you get when the train stops and the little guy comes knocking on your door. And I, I didn't get that reference. But, oh, me either. But, okay. <laughs> um, it's actually supposed to be a sad song. But a lot of people think that it's hilarious. Um, and I can understand why. I mean, I read through the lyrics. It's a whole lot of nonsense. It honestly... Like, yeah. lyrically, it it doesn't make sense. But, like, with the music and the way that they sing it, it does. Right. Uh, I also saw that it was an inadvertent, inadvertent ripoff of a Metallica song, <laughs> uh, which was Welcome Home Sanitarium. So I thought that was pretty funny. And uh, that it was covered by a ton of different artists. 
including the fray, the offspring. And your favorite. And my personal favorite, <laughs> the Bloodhound Gang, which, like... I wish I would have saved that so I could <clears throat> see you watch it, because that... You should see my face. I mean... <laughs> well, not just that it's the Bloodhound Gang, but I mean... That they mixed Weezer and Wu-Tang oh, yeah. together. It just makes it fucking hilarious. Exactly. Like, um, and then I also saw that uh, Tom DeLong, who was on tour with his band Angels and Airwaves, they were touring with Weezer in 2008. And he actually joined Rivers on stage for a duet cover of Undone. Oh, wow. Which is pretty cool. That's like the most like elaborate way I could have told that story possible. But it's an interesting... Well, yeah. And I'm, now I'm curious if there's a... a there's got to be a live video or something somewhere. Mental note. Watch that later. Right. Um Yeah. There, there's a lot that I, I read about the song because um, I read about the inspiration by um river's english professor Mm -hmm. yeah he said that uh the song's inception is based on an analogy from his college english english class in regards to the effectiveness of a focused thesis statement in an essay the nerd in me appreciated this right basically like (laughs) you know if you grab the the thread of a sweater and you walk away. The whole thing unravels. The whole thing unravels. And I was like, mind explosion. You're like that emoji with the, the brain. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was one of my favorite things about what I read. And also um, the spoken word parts. Did you read? Um, I saw something about it, but it was I was kind of unclear. Okay, the one part in the intermission um, has uh, Mikhail Allen, who was one of the founding members of Weezer's fan club. And they're the one, uh, one of the ones that they reference in Mikel and Carly, one of their songs. Um, and they, uh, I believe that they died in an accident. accident. So they were honoring them in the Mikel and Carly song. But I thought that was kind of a neat um, connection. Were they the originators of the wheezing? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> if they weren't, they should be. Right. Um, yeah, there were some funny, funny fan sites that I think I was reading. I mean, I think we, when I looked into this, I mean, Weezer was one of the bigger bands that we've. So far, I would say, I mean, aside I mean, from like, yeah, I mean, aside from, I was gonna say like, aside from Prince. I'm sitting here going, oh, Weezer's the bigger band when the Beatles was the first episode. That's true. Yeah. But I mean, I think the fan base is obviously different. Well, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. Maybe. Because, well, here, here's my reasoning why saying that. Because in the next song, Surf Wax America, <laughs> there were every single article that I read about this song, they always referred to them as the punk rock Beach Boys. Yeah, I can see that. And, I mean, if you if you do a little deep dive outside of this there was a lot of back and forth inspiration with the beach boys and the beatles so but i did i did read that like rivers was a huge beach boys fan 
I feel like there's a pun in here with deep dive and rivers and surfing. Probably. <laughs> I feel like somewhere. Don't worry. It'll it'll probably come out later. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's kind of supposed to be a song that's uh, like a young person's take on the world. Kind of like a, this is all bullshit. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, something that I thought that was also really, really funny is that up until the point of writing and releasing this song, nobody in the band had ever been surfing before, <laughs> which is just so like, what? You wrote a whole song about riding your surfboard, but you've never been surfing before? Come on, most nerds are pasty white. Look at... I mean, yeah, that's true. <laughs> most nerds are lucky they see the light of day sometimes, let alone... Well, especially in quarantine times. Okay, well, yeah, <laughs> that's true. But I don't actually think that they... They had only been moved out to California for like a year or so when they started recording as Weezer. So, I mean, maybe they just hadn't had the time. Um, it's also a nod to partying, of course. Oh, I mean, right. there's a lot of reference in there with that. But there's also a reference to rats round and round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I did notice that. Rat with two T's. Rat. Yes. Rat. Rat is a vermin. Rat, rat is a vermin. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Rat is a vermin. Uh, the next song uh, I'm just going to say is like what I was referencing to earlier and it's something that I saw in a lot of a lot of articles that I read it's easily the most recognizable like guitar riff that opens this song like you know what song it's going to be as soon as you hear it I feel like this album has a few of them this is probably the most recognizable the world is turned and left me here the uh the sweater song yeah they all have even my name is Jonas. They all have a pretty recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen them. I only saw them one time. I saw them twice, but I think it was a near miss when I missed them. But yeah, everybody goes crazy when they hear the first few notes of a song. Yeah, that's that. I actually saw that. That Like they said that when they play oh, the song I'm referring to is Say It Ain't So. I didn't even I didn't even <laughs> say that yet. Excuse me. Oh, it ain't so. That That's the song. Say It Ain't So. Um. But yeah, they uh, they just when they start playing it, they said like people just lose their minds. Well, they put on a really good show, and when I um, I saw them last no, it was two years ago maybe. Um, that's when they first played Africa, which everybody lost their minds. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah, they they're good live. But did they play No Scrubs? They did not. <laughs> We'll have to talk about that in another episode. Um, this one was actually a pretty deep, pretty deep kind of dark song. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, when I really and like I, I, I think I kind of could hear it initially, but until I actually like read through all the lyrics and like looked at kind of like the breakdown behind it. Um. Because it was like Rivers making a, a connection to an incident that he had in high school where he came home and he saw a bottle of beer in the fridge. And 
that stemmed back to his mother and father's failed marriage um, that ended because his father was an alcoholic and it made him fear that the marriage that was between his mother and stepfather uh, was going to end for the same reason. So, I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, and, and even if you listen to the lyrics, you know, they talk about, like, the bottle bubbling behind him and, like, in the bridge they bring up, like, the bottle of Stevens awakens ancient demons and, you know, I, I think it's, there's a lot of, like, emotion. Oh, definitely. Behind this song. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that it was really, it paints a very vivid picture for sure. Like when you hear him talking about it, you can definitely hear like a, like a real angsty vibe behind it. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah I, I definitely, I definitely think that it's probably one of the most recognizable Weezer songs in general. I think that's a fair statement. Oh, definitely. Okay, so the next song is a hot button song for us. Uh, first of all, I love the song. Yeah, me too. Uh, the song is called In the Garage. Yes. Now I'm going to say it the right way. Okay. Which is garage. Oh yes, I know it's garage. Right. However. However, that's not how they sing it. And it bothers me. You didn't even notice. I didn't until you pointed it out, and now I can't unhear it. Well, I had to because, I mean, I love this song. I love the beginning. Oh, it's so it's great. And nods all the nerds. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I definitely, like, this, if there was ever, like, a nerd anthem, this song is it, 100%. Because he just talks about D&D, &D, comic books, his love for kiss like and then the second verse is literally just about him starting a garage band <laughs> it's it's a great song though he writes those stupid words and he, he loves everyone right i mean and like literally what i read is rivers flat out just said like yeah it's a song about being in a nerdy band that practices in the garage and it was a reference to their first house, actually, which is featured, coincidentally, in the Say It Ain't So video. Oh. The Amherst house. Yeah, that's where they film that whole video in that garage. Because you can actually see, if you watch the video, which I did, um, you can see some of the posters that he talks about, which is kind of cool. The only reason, I mean, the whole garage thing is the chorus has one syllable words all of them yeah i mean even garage <laughs> yeah i mean like but it, you can sing it however you like yeah i'm gonna sing it the way he sings it because i just don't think it sounds right any other way i tried it hurts <laughs> my brain um so after that comes the song holiday which i thought was just kind of a a fun little song that was like supposed to be just about taking a holiday just kind of escaping from the norm and even if it's only for a little bit just kind of get out of out of your routine 
What about mental holiday? <laughs> Thanks. <sighs> I think they call that going to the funny farm. Which could be a good time. Maybe. Maybe. You never know. Um, the opening line... They said that there's a possibility that it's actually inspired by the Beach Boys track, uh, Let's Go Away for a While. Which is from the their, I think it's their first album, Pet Sounds. So I thought that was kind of a cool little reference. Um, and then right after that, which is the last track on the album, is Only in Dreams. And uh, it tells the story of a young man who wants to be romantically involved with the girl of his dreams, but he can't do so because he is just way too nervous to even approach her, to talk to her. So he can only fantasize. And uh, Rivers actually said that it kind of like subverts to the Hollywood trope of the geek getting the girl. Yeah. So basically take any teen movie from the mid to late 90s, early 2000s. This song probably describes how it went. Um, and it's actually the longest recorded Weezer song. It clocks in just under eight minutes. And I gotta say, it's a great fucking song. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the song is just... <clears throat> like, is it a long song? Yes. Does it feel like a long song? No. Because musically, it's so interesting. Like, they just do so much. And there's, I think, two prominent guitar solos yeah. in it. It's just... It's a great song. Yeah, I feel like um, the lyrics are poetic in a way and the music just kind of builds builds up I, I feel like that's why it doesn't feel very long because it's it doesn't drag on right because it just feels like it's it's continuing a story almost like like the whole time even when the music like seems to be stretching out for a bit right it almost feels like it's it's still telling you more more story even if it's just with the music itself yeah so yeah i feel like this one has a lot of emotion to it too like that might be why i like you know the world has turned and left me here this one um because i feel like some of them aren't as deep i mean like holiday yeah and i like the contrast between you know holiday being right before this i feel like they've they've placed a lot of the songs very well too absolutely yeah, I think because it's, it's kind of like you get, you know, you, you open you open kind of on a high note. Yeah. And then you have two songs in a row that kind of tell a little bit of a story. Um, and then you get into something silly, <laughs> you know, to kind of middle it out and then you get into undone which is kind of like a more mellow you know kind of laid back stoner track and then you know then you get kind of like a fun little song with punk rock beach boys 
you I know, think and then, the album's an experience. Like yeah, it's... absolutely. Absolutely. One thing I did read that I also didn't write here was that... Um, so the next album is Pinkerton. Originally, that's not how Rivers wanted it to be. He actually wanted to write a concept album that was supposed to be a rock opera like a sci-fi rock opera <laughs> about like space travel sounds pretty badass <laughs> it does i would totally listen to it so i thought that was that oh, was that pretty interesting really cool. who knows i mean you know weezer clearly shows no signs of stopping so yeah maybe at some point they'll they'll release that um, as far as picking a track that I, that's like my favorite, that's tough. Okay. Because to like this whole album is so good. Like. It's full of bangers. It's full of bangers. <laughs> Thanks. That's um, better than the how I'm like, it's nice. It's nice. It's a nice album. Well, it, okay. Top, top three, top, whatever. How many, however many. Okay. If I had to pick like. Like my top three favorites on this album, I would probably say Say It Ain't So, definitely. This is no particular order. It just uh Say It Ain't So. Um Only in Dreams and I don't know, Buddy Holly has just always been just one of my favorite Weezer tracks so like but like I, I I like the whole album and like I've listened to it a lot not just because I was doing research but because I just genuinely enjoyed listening to the whole album yeah but I think another thing that you have to to put into consideration here um is just like the time frame where rock music was and then like you have this band like Weezer that just comes in and they're just like this Weezer is literally like a grunge take on the Beach Boys and like it's just such a weird they're such they're just such a unique band right and I think that they came out at the right time and I think they were kind of, I think that these guys were almost like, uh, like a predecessor to pop punk in a way, you know, like, cause then you figure like right around this same time, like Jimmy world was coming out and like, you know, it was just, you know, I think this was this was the jumping off point to transition into kind of that post-hardcore pop punk. You know, I, I could definitely say that, that Weezer was kind of like a predecessor to all that. So Yeah, <clears throat> yeah it was definitely a nice break from um, the grunge stuff that I listened to back in the day. I mean, everything else was kind of dark and serious, but... Right. Um... <laughs> But Weezer was, you know, Buddy Holly, all the, all those songs, a lot of energy. 
yeah, it's just a lot of high energy, like fun songs, but then they also tell a great story. So like, yeah, I feel like it, it, for me, listening to Weezer is layered because at first I, you know, recognize the music and, um, like just the feel of the song but then once you peel back like that and you read the lyrics and everything and the meaning behind it it's 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 interesting they're right. they're just all around they're just a cool a cool band this is a good album i've always loved this album i actually had two copies because i lent one out for a while and never got it back until years later so yeah it's it's a great one yeah and i appreciate it more now you know 25 years later right it's weird that they have like such staying power but don't feel like a band that's been around for 25 years yeah i mean and like i I remember saying to you that like when i started listening to this like i didn't realize that some of these songs came out then right like it seemed like they were you know later in the 90s or in the in the early 2000s and it's like nope 1994 like so you're a bit ahead of their time yeah i definitely think that that they were they were they knew what was up they they knew they knew what they were doing they struck gold on this one for sure yeah yeah and like i said i mean i I appreciate it more now knowing like what was you know involved in the lyrics and um i appreciate you know the songwriting a lot more right now absolutely so he's quite talented <laughs> yeah he definitely is so um take a little break away from this before we get into the album that i gave you and um talk about some earworms maybe <laughs> uh i know that you had kind of a funny one yeah i don't know i mean we were originally supposed to record this last week um, I don't remember all the earworms I had at the time, but the one that I was going to say was um, I was walking through a store and for some reason just heard the Thomas the Train song in my head. I'm just like walking down the aisle like do, 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 do. And then I started thinking of those videos where, you know. <laughs> the mashup videos. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many. Yeah. Where um, the, the biggie one was was one of my favorites. Yeah. It's weird having an earworm that doesn't have any lyrics. Right. Because then I'm just like... Right. No, I I know. Because I I know there are sometimes at work where, like, my brain just starts doing weird stuff if I'm not listening to something. And, like, every now and then, like, I'll have the, uh, like, the Wii menu music just playing (laughs) in my head for some reason. (laughs) I'm laughing because my daughter and I sing that a lot. Like, oh. she'll start humming it, and then I'll have to join in. Yeah. It's a whole experience. Because you're just sitting there, and you just have the boop, 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 boop. Yeah. <laughs> See, we harmonize right? at home. Um, yeah, so there was the Thomas the Train, and actually, I listened to the, the Weezer album a few times. So, um, Surf, the Surf and Song, it was just, like, a couple lines, though. Right. You take your car to work. I'll take my board. I swear for years, though, it was Ford. And I was like, doesn't make any sense. You take, your, you... <laughs> you take your car and I'll take my Ford. All right. But yeah, I mean, I learned it was not that. But yeah, that that section just played. I don't know why. What about you? Uh, I have had a couple 
Um, one was a newer track. We were talking about it before the episode. Uh, it's the new track from Blink-182. I've been listening to it a lot. Uh, it's called it's, good. it's called Quarantine. It's really good. Like, really good. Um, I've also had a couple of, like, poppy guilty pleasures that I've heard uh, recently that have been popping into my brain. One of them was uh, Dua Lupa. New Rules. It's a good song. Um, I'm trying to think what the other one was. Oh, uh, DNCE, Cake by the Ocean. <laughs> yeah, I had that stuck in my head for days last week. So that's a good one. Yeah, it's a great song. <laughs> so that was that was that was mine. So I gave you which album? Josh gave me an album by Fun. Um, the album is Amen Ignite, which is their first, um, their, their debut album. Um, came out in 2009. And when we first started talking about what we were choosing for this episode, you know, Josh asked me if, if I knew anything about Fun. Right. And I mean, I think everyone who, you know, listened to music in the past, you know, 10 years or whatever probably have heard, you know, their later album. Um, like we are young and, um, what's the other one? Some nights. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were huge radio play, but I feel like, um, yeah, I didn't even realize that they had an earlier album and the feel to it. I mean, where I can tell that it's the same band, it has a lot of different feel to the songs. Right. Um, <clears throat> but I really enjoyed it. I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to. Because uh, the first probably two listens through, there wasn't a lot that stood out to me. Um, the lead singer's voice, though, is pretty um, eclectic or um, like recognizable. I Absolutely, can't... yeah. It's yeah. very, it's very particular. Right. Like I, I don't, I would know like if I heard his voice that this is. Yeah. This is um, him. So yeah. <clears throat> um. I was reading that they have been compared to Queen and Electric Light Orchestra, um, which I could definitely hear in some of the songs. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Yeah, I I didn't ever hear this album before, but I mean, it peaked at number 71 on the Billboard 200, which, you know, that's... I mean, that's number, pretty high. Number 20 on the alternative albums wow right i didn't realize that right but like i said their second album was far better known um the thing that i thought was interesting is one of the first songs that they recorded um back then was available in um spin magazine they used to have um like a like a demo cd um i remember getting that in the mail and it was you know, good times. Yeah, it was like a sampler. Yeah, it would be a sampler of various songs. So it was included on their um, August. I wrote 2020, but that can't be right. <laughs> Apparently, I had 2020 on the brain. Um, yeah, so it was um, 20. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and yeah, their, their other. Your first single, at least I'm not as sad as I used to be, was available on MySpace. 
back in the day. So that brought Hell back yeah. some memories. MySpace. I'll tell you what, man. MySpace was great for music. Honestly, oh. I, I found so many, so many bands on MySpace. Yeah, I feel like I'm. This is probably where you know the few years difference that we have, you know, really stands out because I think I don't even know where I got music at that point. But I kind of missed the MySpace. Yeah, it was it was a weird time, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Like you were either there or you weren't. And I feel like a lot of people, well, at that time, I feel like even a lot of people were already getting into Facebook because it was, you know, linked for college and stuff like that. Right. Or like professional kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I played around with MySpace a little bit, but the music part came much later. Yeah. Once I'd already, you know, kind of given up on all the flashy graphics and theme songs and top eight. Right. Um, yeah, so that was, that was interesting. Um, also the band, I believe has been on hiatus for a while since 2015, just working on other projects. Um, yeah, I know, uh, I know Nate Rouse, uh, recorded with some other artists. Right. I think I read that too. I know he did a, I think he did a track with, uh, Pink. Right. It was pretty good. Yeah, so I I feel like this song or this album, while it's not specifically like a like a storytelling album, a lot of the songs have like story layers to them. Oh yeah. Um, there's a lot of like each song had its own personality. Yeah. Which I really liked. Um, I I like that each time I listened, I feel like I got something different from right. all the songs. Yeah, I mean, I just listened to it earlier today and. You know, you, you even if you're listening to a, the CD or the album for the millionth time, you get you'll get one song that just stands out right more than the rest sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, they never really caught my attention. Besides the couple radio hints, right? I mean, you said you saw them live. I did. I saw them live twice, and uh, before you listened to their album, I mean, was that your first exposure? This? No, actually, no. I had listened to. I had listened to this album, and they were actually going to be on tour with Panic at the Disco. So I saw them then, but then I actually saw them when they came back on the Some Nights tour. So they were the headliners touring for their newest album. I'm only laughing because of the the meme that we posted of. In the group where it was like misunderstanding at the disco. <laughs> what if it was just a, a, a big misunderstanding at the disco? All right. So the first track was Be Calm, which I think is a really strong start for the album. Um, it's a song of encouragement, but it also, um, I think, showcases like some of the, the deeper um, musical uh, talent that they have. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't mention this earlier, but... Um, when I was reading about the band, obviously there's vocals and guitars and things like that. And it named the the types of instruments that they were using on the album. And it actually was pretty, pretty uh, heavy stuff. I mean, it was, you know, one guy did piano, guitars, theremin, which I had to show you <laughs> what you that was. Yeah, and yeah. if anyone doesn't know, you should look it up because it's an interesting instrument. And I didn't realize that it was like for being like an electronic sort of instrument it's pretty old 
Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I was listing all these things. Calliope, a cello, accordion, glockenspiel. Like, I felt like I was in music class. And the mellophone. I, I don't think I wrote that. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's it's very musically deep. Oh, yeah. I definitely heard accordion, which I could, you know, it's recognizable, but like there's some parts that. Um, yeah, I, I think that's what makes this whole album very interesting is that like, yes, it's a rock album, but like, it's not, it's not at the same time. Like, it's very like, it's like an avant-garde, like approach to releasing like a rock album right which i think is really cool what was interesting is i mean i think they called this pop yeah indie pop <laughs> which is funny sure <laughs> i don't know i feel like the genres have a lot of blending between them so i never really i mean i could see it though yeah i mean i definitely see it with the next album i think oh is, yeah is yeah, yeah. More... i mean if you if you listen to some nights in its entirety it, the whole album is is a pop album. I think this one is more. Yeah, I could see the indie, the indie vibe. Oh, know, definitely. It's, it's it's a lot more, a lot more indie. Yeah. So the song starts out um, instrumental with violins, accordions. You you hear, you know, the variety of of music that you're you know you're gonna hear throughout the song. Um, it's an encouraging song. Um, talking about you know keeping your control even when you're having a hard time and learning about what Nate um, the singer had gone through at the time was moving from um, Arizona to New York City oh so I mean that's a big that's a, a big shock. thing yeah from the suburb suburbs of Arizona so you can hear a few um, references to like living in the big city. You know, as I walk through the streets of my new city, suddenly I'm lost on my street, on my block. Um, but I feel like this also, you know, is a, a song, I mean, obviously about anxiety, because you hear him speak of, you know, the current times. I always knew you'd be the one to understand me. And then you're like, he's like, well, why haven't you been there for me? So you can hear like the, the anxiety building. Um, so I feel like that that's a pretty interesting um, contrast to to some of the stuff in the songs. You can hear where he's starting to feel a little paranoid. He's talking about the treetops turning red, um, beggars, beggars near the, the bodegas. I think they want something. But then he says, be calm. You know, you feel like you're breaking down. So, you know, I huh. heard myself saying... When I had, a, you know, moments, I was like, oh, be calm. <laughs> no, that's interesting because, like I said, I, I just listened to this earlier when you said the part about the treetops turning red. Yeah. I never put together the fact that he had just moved to New York. So, like. The seasons would be different. Yeah. That may have been the, like, mm -hmm. one of the first times he ever actually watched the seasons change. Right in real time right i feel like a lot of the the lyrics is where things build up and then the be calm is just like be calm um i don't know you can tell in the music and the lyrics and one of the lines that i really liked was you hate your pulse because it thinks that you're still alive 
Yeah. I mean, I've said I'm dead inside for years. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that one spoke to me. Right. Um, so I really like this one. Yeah, but it's it's cool because, like you were saying, you can feel, you can feel the be calm portions of the song because it's like during the verses, the music feels very hectic. Oh yeah. And then when it gets to the chorus, it's very like centered back like back to like you know more of like a melodic right because it's like you have to remember like it's like bringing your mental your mental state back like it's like you know just be calm yeah so i mean that that's some depth to the song where you know it's not only lyrically saying be calm but you can feel it right and you almost feel like the the anxiety building in the song um so yeah i really enjoyed that one um Track two is called Benson Hedges, Benson Hedges, Tongue Twister, uh, about traveling and finding yourself. Um, this was they're recorded as a demo and given away with the magazine. Um, the theme is about travel, which makes sense because this is when Nate was moving to a new city. Um, it starts out a bit like almost gospel music, but the lyrics are kind of anti-religion. So I thought that was, was good too. You know, Holy Ghost, when do you come out to play? if Lord's going to find me, he's better start looking today. It was just, you know, a, an interesting start. Um, I really like when, when artists do that, when they use like a religious style, like a gospel-y style of music. Yeah. To, to add depth to a song. Yeah. I, um, I kind of got the the Prince vibe for that one song that ended in uh, yeah. gospel sounding, which turned out to be re- <laughs> words in reverse. <laughs> but anyway, <Ooh. laughs> um, yeah. So the first verse is about a love where he's feeling disconnected, um, talking about um, spending his weekends a certain way, and he um, traveling and stuck somewhere, and basically. It's pretty poetic. So it took one last look at the gold as it shattered on the mountaintop. Basically talking about the sun setting. Um, the sun is a symphony. Not sure what it'll play. So it's a it's a pretty um, poetic song. But also, I feel like it's a message to someone he loves where, you know, he's trying to connect. Um, but also, you know, the travel theme of, you know, cross-country move so I, I like that one um, track three was all the pretty girls which obviously is a breakup song for getting over someone yeah. talking about you know how he's going to find better but you know once he's there he sees what he was missing um yeah i really liked that one i felt like it was a, a very um storytelling because in the beginning, he talks about, you know, I don't want to say I'm leaving. I'll stay until the weekend. You can take all the things, the boxes and the rings and get going. And it's like, okay. And at the end, he's talking about, you know, wanting, you know, her to stay. Right. Um, after seeing, you know, all the girls on Saturday night, um, they're kind of all the same. Nothing, you know, stands out about any of these, these people. So, you know, he sees what he... Um, what he's missing right yeah because it's almost like he's saying 
Like, you know, because he says all the pretty girls on a Saturday night, they come at me with a look in their eye. And it's like, yeah, sure, you go out, you can find, you can find somebody there for the night, but like, it's not going to give you what you want. Exactly. Yeah, he talks about, you know, how, you know, these girls are pretty and whatever, but they don't compare to her. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I... I definitely felt the story behind it. It's a good song. Um, yeah, I definitely thought that this album would be a good one for you because I know how how into like poetry and stuff you are. Yeah, and their 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 lyrics are very are very like story driven and poetic. Oh, definitely. So I I thought that this would definitely be something that would pique your interest. Oh yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, the next. The next track is I Want to Be the One. It's kind of whimsical in the beginning. Um, like, the piano, the horns, the, like, I don't know. I I told you the first time I heard it, I, I thought something that was not the, the chorus. Go ahead. Oh, no. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Why don't you tell the listeners what you thought he said? I didn't think he said. It just kind of felt like he should say. Is more what I, I should say. Oh, okay. okay, so the chorus is, <laughs> now everything you've lost and all you've overcome, I want to be the one to put it in a song. Well, I just was thinking, I want to be the one to put it in your bum. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I've got a dirty mind, uh, bum, and, <laughs> you know, overcome. They rhyme. Right. But who would have thought overcome in song? I just want you to know that when you, when you sent me that message and I read it, <laughs> I cackled. I didn't just <laughs> laugh. I cackled for like five minutes. That's good to know because I felt like you were like eye roll. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I did eye roll, but I also like laughed uncontrollably loud for a good five minutes. Well, this, the, the words fit. They I mean... do. They do. And for the first like one or two times after you told me that, I couldn't not hear that in the lyrics <laughs> yeah so i mean this song <laughs> it's actually about you know um i felt like it was about someone that is important to him like a niece or a nephew or something because he talks about how um the day that she handed you to me so it's obviously you know um someone important like that right but he's talking about you know everything that that this person has been through he wants to be the one to write about it in a song which um kind of brought me back to um first album like the feeling like you have a song inside you when we were listening to train wreck right so i thought that was an interesting kind of connection relation back Yes. But yeah, this one is definitely poetic. Uh, Clever comes in truth when truth begets the past. I almost felt like it was a bit, um, in some parts of it, sounded almost Beatle-ish. And the the song that I connected in my head was Life Goes On, which was an earworm. There we go. Oh, bloody, oh, bloody, 
life goes on. I was singing that for like a week, and I think it was because of that. This song almost has that feel. Interesting. Yeah. That's kind of a cool connection. Yeah. So I mean, I could I could definitely hear different influences here in their music. So it was it was interesting. Um, track five. At least I'm not as sad as I used to be. Um, that one kind of spoke to me. <laughs> um, for several reasons. I mean, the song's about how things change and people get older, but some things don't change. Um, it talks about, you know, have you ever wondered about, you know, our friends and what became of them? And talks about, you know, seeing them a few days ago and they're pretty much doing... Exactly, exactly what they were doing before. Right, and... And it's funny because there's like a like a sing-songy, taunting sound in the chorus, which is pretty silly, but it fits. I like it too because it almost has like the chorus almost feels like a like a reggae kind of vibe. Yeah, there's a lot of sound like a lot of different a lot of sounds here, <laughs> uh, but no, like the the chorus, you know, the. The part where they're like, dah, 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 dah. right, like, <laughs> it almost has that immature feel, and you're you're seeing that he's past this. Um, I just love that they call them uh, their old new metal friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I like how he he sees that a few years ago he was like this. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm not as sad as I used to be. So, you know, he's seeing how much he's changed in the right. past few years. Um, his friends in the later verses say that um, he was taken over by rock and roll. So that's my life. Nothing is sacred. I don't keep friends. I keep acquainted. Uh, you know, it was a interesting words, words. Words are good. Interesting words. Yeah, so I mean, he. I feel like lyrically the songs were. Each song in itself is a very deep, deep track. Right. And it's not even just from the lyrical aspect. Like, they very, very thoughtfully wrote each of these songs with, with lyrics and instrumentation to match the themes they were going for. Like,. It's definitely. That's definitely what's trying almost, to. It's almost orchestral, in the in the way that they wrote everything. Like it's, the way it all it's comes very, together. Yeah, like it's it's like you're listening to a symphony almost because they all just kind of have this, this playful, flow to them while still telling, the story. Yeah, I wasn't um, noticing like how Nate can change like the feel of the song just from the way he's singing at the time like the song changed a few times yeah as you listen yeah i mean and his his voice just has so much like like passion behind it sometimes like when he really gets into like singing the lyrics like sometimes when he starts hitting those high notes they just it just feels so much more like They've got so much more oomph behind them. Oh, right. So Very I, emotional. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so track six, Light a Roman Candle with Me. I felt like this one sounded like Sesame Street in the beginning. Like it had like a 
whimsical, I guess. Yeah, it does, because it opens up with that horn part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes, Sesame Street was what I thought about. Um, the song's about taking chances and comparing, you know, a new relationship to, like, the volatility of fireworks. Um, it kind of makes sense, and it's interesting because, you know, it's about... It doesn't have to be a relationship, but taking chances. Yeah. You know, it could be gorgeous or explode in your face. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah. there is no in-between. Yeah, I mean, and, and they even make, like, relations to, like, just the perfect apple and, yes. you know. Yes. Yeah, if we were honest and both wrote a sonnet together, a sandwich with everything on it. Yeah, like, and that's that's the kind of stuff that I just love. Like in It his... almost sounds like nonsense when you read it that way, but in the song, I mean, it's poetic. Right, because again, it's like that orchestral type arrangement where you've got the piano and the horns and you've got so much instrumentation layered together with these like poetic lyrics. Right, yeah, I wrote Just the Perfect Apple. I was writing a few things that stuck out. Um, the middle of the song, there was a lot of, you know, as and and... Not really lyrics, but um, sounds that were almost like Queen or Beatles feel yeah. to it. Yeah, almost like an like a like a little interlude into yes. the next part of the song. Yes, because it it kind of has that like and it like what carries you. <laughs> ah. It, like, carries you into the next oh, definitely. part of the song. Um, yeah, so, like, the message at the end that I was getting out of it is, you know, risk can't be avoided, so take chances. Because you could find something, you know, gorgeous. Or it could blow up in your face. <laughs> so, yeah. Positive message. Hey. Um, the next one really stood out just because I, I feel like it was more upbeat than most of them, walking the dog. But the lyrics, again... That reminded me of Vampire Weekend, the beginning of it. Yeah. I was, I think I listened three or four times trying to find what it stood out because, like I said, each song reminded me of something different. Yeah. I had a different feel. Yeah, it starts out sounding like um, Vampire Weekend and the beat kind of goes with walking. Yeah. So it makes sense. <clears throat> um, yeah, so it's it's basically a relationship song. You know, the build up to the chorus is, you know, how you lost your mind, your wrist got bruised. Um, you want a better love while sleeping in your bedroom. So it's like, hmm. <laughs> um, you know, you see being taken for granted. He's talking about this relationship. Yeah. And the chorus is, is pretty catchy. If you could see me, whoever I am, it's not like a movie. It's not all skin and bones. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think this one's pretty catchy. Um Talking about, like, in present tense was the first, you know, couple verses. But then by the time he was in the second verse, he's talking about um, almost in a past tense. So for being an upbeat song, it almost felt like, you know, a breakup song. Yeah. Um, I like the the nod in the, the bridge to the Boys of Summer. Because after the Boys of Summer have gone. Right. Um, talking about, I always thought I'd be the one moving on. I really like that. Um, it was just interesting. It, it, yeah, a lot I of depth to it again. Right. I, and I always thought that was a cool nod, too. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I liked it. It was nice. It's nice. Um, 
Next up was track eight, Bar Lights. Um, on the surface, almost seems like a simple song of just being in the bar and having a good time. But um, talks about um, there's just a lot of a lot of lyrically deep things. You know, the green of your eyes say go. Um, talking about um, a change change that's coming. You know, I'm feeling alive. It's just. See when I when I heard this song for the first time, it almost jumped out to me as like a like he's talking up somebody at a bar, and he's realizing how exciting the potential is. You know, moving forward, you know, and he's realizing like, you know, the green in her eyes says go, and yeah. like. Yeah. Well, the part that I thought was an interesting, like, image was, you know, they call us all sheep. Well, I'm the little Bo Peep of the bunch, rounding up everyone. <laughs> you know, that's the, the, right. the thought that I was having with the little Bo Peep reference. Kind of reminded me of, like, you know, when you're at the bar and your friends are all drunk and you're just like, all right, people, let's let's get moving. I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting like, that you, you know, I, I didn't feel of it as being like a like a potential, you know kind of thing yeah but I mean, but again uh, like i said i mean every listen through i got something different right i was gonna say i feel like the way that they write their songs is just the lyrics are so open for interpretation oh right so like you know it, it, you could read it or hear it one way and then i could listen to it and it's something completely different right um so track nine the gambler this one I felt was pretty unique in the album because it's a song about Nate's parents. Um, it's a ballad. And I, I mean, it's a really beautiful, like, love song. Um, it's basically, you know, about his parents who, you know, met. And a lot of the lyrics that I liked in the song was about um, meeting when we cross collective hearts. That was like a, a poetic, you know, thing. I knew nothing about romance, but it was love at second sight. It felt like an honest, you know, right. honest line about love. I agree. Yeah. And about, you know, when I grow up, I won't just buy you a rose. I'll buy you the whole flower shop and you'll never be lonely. So it's talking about, you know, building a life together. And actually, you know, his parents did have a flower shop. So, you know. It all kind of fits. But the song seems to be about, like, you know, their life and and just, you know, their connection and, and what they've grown. Um, right. Because it starts out with that and then, you know, talking about, you know, how the kids grow um, and how, you know, they still stay together. You know, even if the sun stops waking up, I will not leave till it's our time. The emotional part of it. I mean, you can clearly tell, like, it's something happening to one of them where, you know, there was almost a, a near-death kind of thing. I was going to say there's that whole part mm -hmm. towards the middle where uh, he's like, you know, when the doctor said, time. I nearly, nearly lost you, but it's not time. Yeah. Yeah. So from what I was reading, I think it was um, about, yeah, it, it felt like from from dad's point of view in the beginning and then switch to mom's point of view because, you know, she's talking about 
how um, mother, um, but the daughter, she's just like her dad. Yeah. You know, and then talking about, you know, losing him. You swore you'd be here until we decide it's our time, but it's not time. You never quit in all your life. Like, I don't know. The third, fourth time I listened to this, I was just like, oh. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. Just the, the, the mental image of like this, this couple, you know, almost like up the movie. I don't know. If you're... <laughs> yeah. But like this, this visual of, you know, them meeting and, and falling in love and growing this whole life together and almost losing each other. And then it ends with, you know, the present day. I'll sit the, t- the table. You can make the fire. Just talking about like ordinary life. Here, here they are together still. Um, incredibly touching yeah absolutely it's a very very touching track yeah like it it, i don't want to say it didn't fit but it definitely stood out and again the the depth i mean everything was perfect the the lyrics the the music all of it yeah his his vocals like the way he not just the words he spoke but the way he sang i like it because it it has a lot of focus on piano Yes. And then, like, some real subtle horn parts later in the song. But, like, the the main focus is the piano. Yeah. Um, I even watched, um, I think, a, a performance or two live of this, and it just, it was just really moving. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was a good example of how you said it was almost like orchestral, how everything fits together. Like a symphony of like lyrics and music and yeah, this one was definitely one of the the favorites I had. Um, on to track ten, which I feel like nothing can really follow that that track, and maybe it wasn't fair when I would listen. And it's interesting now because you know I never really listen to albums in order. Yeah. But since you know we've been doing this podcast, and since you know you and I talk a lot about music, I've been doing that. And I feel like I get something different out of, you know, listening in order rather than skipping. No, I, I totally agree. Yeah, it, there's almost like a... Like sometimes if you're only listening to certain songs versus listening to the whole album, you're not getting the the full effect yeah, I of, almost feel of like the way that they arrange the songs. Yeah, the whole album is like an experience. Yeah. And you kind of miss out on like the big picture of that just listening to one or two tracks here and there. So I definitely can feel in this album that this was somewhere that definitely made a difference. Right. Um, so yeah, like I don't know if the rest of the album just didn't feel fair in comparison to how much I like that. Yeah. Um, so track 10 was Take Your Time, Coming Home. Um, it felt like, you know, if you love somebody, you know, let them know. It talks about, you know, finding love. And it's, the interesting thing that I found in the song was that it's the only place they use the F word. Yeah. And it's almost like they, they use it just to do it. Like right. it fits, but it's almost like, well, you know. We didn't we didn't swear, so we're gonna do it once. <laughs> I also think that this song for for being the essentially like the last or one of the last 
It depends on which version of the album you listen to. <laughs> on Spotify. Definitely. There's a few. Remakes. On Spotify, there is the deluxe edition, which has one additional track, an acoustic version, and two remixes, I believe. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Because, yeah, I was trying to figure out, because some places I read that, that this song was the last track. But right. then the last normal track to me was 11. Right. Yeah, on the original album, this is the last track. Well, I think that it would it's a good place to stop. Like, Absolutely. It's a good, positive... It's a good, positive song. But also, I have to say, I think this is the most like rock driven song on the whole album and it's the smartest place to put it if you're listening to it like this where this is the end of the album because it's just it's so like just driving and like energy and you know it's just like a good way to to kind of end things out Mm -hmm. you know like this track live is so good I'll have to listen to this a few more times because, like I said, I'm not sure I gave this a fair chance. Yeah. Because the emotional, you know, connection that, you know, I kind of felt to the previous song, you know, it, it I don't know that I gave it a chance. Um, but maybe, uh, maybe watching some videos. Sure. Um, Another time. We'll do that together. All right. So the, um, the track that isn't <laughs> on the regular album, but was on the Spotify version, is Stitch Me Up. I think it was supposed to be. Like, I think they initially wrote it to be on the original album, um, but I don't think that they recorded it. Yeah, it almost felt like, um, like it's a travel song, almost. You put the keys in the car and drive. We won't make it out alive. It's almost... Like a sing-songy, like, positive feel on, you know, just driving off into nowhere. Yeah. Um, like a like a Thelma and Louise right. feel to it. Or, you know, somebody <clears throat> was saying when I was reading about the lyrics that, you know, it felt like a getaway car with Bonnie, you know, Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing. So it was just an interesting layer to the song. Um, one of the lyrics that stood out to me. <clears throat> was I've never been better than when falling apart. And I know, right? Yeah, and a lot of this spoke to me just because, it, you know, mental illness stuff. You can tell, like, it talks about anxiety. It talks about, you know, the sadness. You can feel the depression, you know, that he's referring to in the past in some of the songs. I mean, and, and it's clear that this is an album that he wrote in dealing with his own demons. Oh, definitely. You know, a lot of the stuff is very, very personal. A lot of the lyrics clearly jump into insecurities, anxiety, social mm-hmm. awkwardness. Like, yeah. it, it, it's a it's a heavy album in that regard. But then it's it's just blanketed with with a ton of good music. Right. Right. Yeah. So like like I said, it, that was again layered like. That was something I heard on like the the fifth or right. so listen. Layered yes. ogres. <laughs> Sorry, Shrek reference. <laughs> um. <laughs> Donkey. <laughs> Donkey. <laughs> now you're gonna be thinking Shrek, Shrek things for the rest of the night. 
Um, yeah, so the Spotify version had a few extra things here. Walking the Dog 2, which was <laughs> a more somber version of the Walking the Dog. Almost felt like if you took Walking the Dog song and mashed it with, you know, Coldplay or something. Like, it had a... Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Or even even to take it back a little further, I could see it almost being like a, like a cure. Yeah. Like the cure almost. Because when you listen to the album version and then you listen to Walking the Dog <laughs> 2, air quotes, <laughs> it's a completely different song. Oh, yeah. It's the same song. But when you hear it with that super somber, like, like the the melody is different, the vocals are different. It's a totally different song. And it's well, it's weird because you're like, oh, wow, <laughs> this song is sad as fuck. Like, well, it reminded me of like when we listened to um, Page Avenue in the 10 years later or yeah. whatever, 10 years and counting. Yeah. I forget what song stood out a lot, but it was like if the whole album was like... Yeah. Like this. We were both like, whoa. It was such a different feeling, yeah. but the same lyrics. Right. Um, yeah, so there was that. Taking your time acoustic. Then, you know, mixes of Walking the Dog and All the Pretty Girls. So by the time I was done with this album, I was kind of tired of Walking the Dog. Just because I hear, you know, three varieties of it. But right. I definitely like that song. Um, after listening, you know eight or so times my clear favorites were the gambler i mean the way i talked about it you clearly could tell like i liked it yeah um walking the dog just because i like um all of it i mean it was it's quite layered um it's catchy the beat was ca- you know catchy but the the lyrics i mean that was one that i i definitely felt repeating in my head um be calm was a favorite because it was a really strong open to the album and I liked like we were talking about like not only were the the lyrics talking about you know things building up anxiety but the music yeah. went along with it and like I felt like that was just more sophisticated kind of thing yeah um and at least I'm not as sad as I used to be I felt like that one was unique just in the the sing-songy part of it, how he fit all of that together right. with, like, the serious feel of some of the lyrics. Yeah. Um, I definitely enjoyed the album. Like, yeah, like, that that song always makes me laugh because, like, when you hear the chorus of it, mm-hmm. it's almost like if you could if you could hear him say it as, like, a, <laughs> well, at least I'm not as sad as I used to be. Like, <laughs> like you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah, I definitely uh, can relate. Ooh, yeah, big relate there. <sighs> big relate to a lot of these songs. Ooh. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I liked it a lot more than I expected. Not that I didn't think I was going to like it. I just, it's interesting that you seem to choose things that I'll like, and I don't realize. That you're going to like them until you listen to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. But how can you not enjoy an album by a band called Fun? Right. I mean, it's like right there in the title. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I think I'm definitely going to have to make a personal uh, game out of trying to figure out 
what Vampire Weekend song uh, Walking the Dog sounds like. <laughs> but do you hear, you hear it? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, I, remember... I, I can hear it. Yeah, years ago, I remember my friend who um, she used to write some articles about music. I remember sitting there listening to um, my chem. Um, I don't remember what song it was, but I remember the lyrics. Trying to figure out what Beatles song, I almost felt like it had a feeling to it. Hmm. So um, we spent quite some time listening. Interesting. Yeah, in the middle of a gunfight, in the center of a restaurant. That one almost sounded. Eleanor oh yeah, Rig- yeah, yeah. Almost sounded Eleanor Rigby-ish to me. Like I sat there for a for quite some time trying to find out where that connected in my head. Oh, this is gonna be a rabbit hole for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, I I made some notes and some of the stuff I want to go back and and listen to. But now, even talking about some of the stuff, it's you know what? Some other. Maybe that'd be a cool episode if we do some songs that we think might be rabbit holes, where it's like. Whoa, this song kind of sounds like this yeah. band. That'd be weird. And then you go back and you find a song that it actually correlates to. That might be kind of fun. Yeah, we like our musical projects, I guess. We do. So what else have you been listening to? Um, I listened to the Blink album after talking to you about it. Which one? Nine? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good album. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I actually forgot that they com- like completely forgot that they released that album. And I went back and listened to it. It's a, it's a really good album. Yeah, you reminded me about it because I also forgot. Um, I listened to the Quarantine song. Um, definitely going to have that on rotation for a while. Absolutely. Because <laughs> that's like life. Yeah. Um, I was listening. I've been listening to a lot of like pop stuff with my daughter. She's getting into discovering her own music. So, you know, her playlist is, is quite different from mine. But um, it's interesting to, you know, see her changing from like, the little kid music to like more grown-up tastes right um yeah so i listened to blink um goalkeeper i was listening to this week um also um mxpx there was a new um song that came out worries i think it came out um oh in may so i'm a little late on it but there was that and then there's an an album that they had out. I don't know if it's a new. Oh, it's Life in Quarantine. So a lot of their songs, they have a Life in Quarantine version. Oh, I nice. That was kind of cool. So, um, yeah, that came out in July. So I was listening to that as well. A lot of new stuff. I mean, there's, I feel like I haven't even scratched the, the surface of all the new stuff that's come out recently. Yeah, I know that there's been a ton of new stuff coming out. And we were just talking before. Yeah. Um, so I also listened to uh, Blink-182 a little bit. I kind of did a little bit of a dive. And, uh, you know, after listening to the Quarantine song, I went back, I listened to Nine. And then I went back even further and I listened to the deluxe edition of uh, California which was the album that they released before Nine. Um, And I also went back and I listened to a couple of the quarantine songs that Billy Joe from Green Day has been releasing. Because, you know, I love covers. 
and he's been releasing a whole bunch of cover songs. So he did a cover of That Thing You Do. And yeah, we pre the podcast with that. It's right? good. Definitely, definitely a good choice. And uh, he also did a cover of Manic Monday. Really? Mm-hmm. I'll play it for you after the podcast. That's always been one of my favorite Bengals songs. <laughs> right. And uh, a cover of I Think We're Alone Now. Really? Mm-hmm. So those were kind of in my rotation a little bit the last few days. That's that's basically what I've been listening to. And then just a bunch of random podcast stuff. Yeah. Just new episodes of the normal stuff I listen to. Yeah, I was catching up on Chris Makes podcast. Yeah. Um, new One Hit one hit Thunder. Yeah, One Hit Thunder for sure. Yeah, I'm also yeah still getting caught up on the 27 Club. So... Yeah, still, still waiting for, for Jake to release some more, uh, Disgraceland, but we'll see. So I think that about wraps up episode four. I know it's crazy. Next episode, episode five, gonna do something a little special. So, uh, you know, keep an eye out on social medias. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. It's at S-I-M-H pod or on Facebook at Songs in My Head. Uh, so keep an eye out on those for some announcements coming up later in the week. Thank you so much for listening. And, uh, you know, just try and keep an open mind and share music with everybody. 